Hello and welcome to All Remote Podcast. My name is Ilana. And my name is Anya. And we are your hosts. All Remote Podcast aims to give space for all remote advocates to share ideas and insights into the future of work. We believe the future of work should create equal opportunities for everyone, regardless of their location, gender, or any other category. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Remote Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to announce a guest speaker. We are talking to Lisa Mash-Levin, CEO and co-founder of Gable, which is a platform that transforms residential homes and commercial spaces into distributed workspaces. We are going to talk a little bit about what that means, but before I say anything else, welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Anja. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm great. I'm great. Amazing. Well, it's a rainy Friday here in Belgrade, so uh, I'm excited to, to make this a more fun evening uh, by talking to you. So, so to kick it off, I would just like to, to ask you to give us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, so I'm Lisa, born in uh, Russia, uh, grew most of my life in Israel. Um, well, maybe a little bit about my professional uh, background. I was uh, in the Israeli intelligence unit for five years. I was there as a captain, uh, manage, managing a team of 25 soldiers. Um, then um, finished the military, started a double degree in computer science and electrical engineering, and then uh, um, joined Microsoft as an intern and basically grew through the ranks there was an intern, then software engineer, then tech lead, transitioned back to product, and finally was a product manager lead. Um, and in the past year and a half, I've been here in San Francisco. I came here to do an executive MBA program at Stanford. And while doing that, I actually did two startups. Uh, the one is Gable, and the other one is uh, my daughter, Emma, uh, that was born during, the, during this uh, crazy time. So 2020, is the craziest year of my life. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, it makes the two of us, and I can confidently say it makes a lot more uh, <laughs> than just, just the two of us this year has been uh, insane. Yeah, th that's quite an impressive uh, background. I am uh, really in, in awe. It's, it's really amazing to, to hear that you've done so many things. And may I add that are uncommon for you know, a, a female basically. And I hate that I need to say this, but it is very uncommon. And just having the double degree and, and one of them being in engineering, uh, it's just, I, I know that you wrote about this, but can you just give us a summary, like what it means to be, you know, to have a background in engineering and how did it help you be a better manager, a better product manager, and eventually a better CEO? Definitely. So first of all, um, unfortunately, I am used to being, the only woman in the room or, you know, with a handful of women, but it never deterred me. I, I don't see this as a problem. I see this actually as a strength. Mm -hmm. I think for me, having an engineering background helped a lot in becoming a better product manager and, and also a manager as well. Understanding the bits and bytes is very important also when you do strategy, when you understand what are you requesting your engineers to develop. So think about like any feature. So let's say I want to develop some dashboard or just you know something that is very elaborate. It can take five months to develop it 100%, but it can take a month to develop it like 80%. But the fact that I really understand what can be done in different timelines helps me prioritize as well. Uh, but also, I don't take any bullshit from engineers that can tell me, uh, you know, it will take much longer because I really understand how much it will take. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> that, that's a really important strength to have. Yeah, you just, you really know how long it takes, right? And you understand what's happening on this crazy screen that engineers are constantly looking at. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, and I think it's, it's amazing when, when founders have a background in, in such a relevant field, especially if they're founding a company that, you know, in, in your case is very techy, I would say. So with your background and your whole tech experience, it just makes a, a, a really big difference, I would say. But let's dive deeper into, into what you just said. So you said that you're used to being um, the only woman in the, the room or one of few women. Uh, so what does that mean for you to be a female founder? Like, is there something that you think your experience was different from comparing to other ones or just in general? Give us, give us your thoughts. So I think it's hard for me to, to know because I wasn't like, uh, I, I didn't sit in the room like with other uh, male founders while like, let's say mm-hmm. they pitch things like that. But I think that um, for me, I, I think that is a competitive advantage in a sense. I feel that um, being a well-rounded person, doing the things that I do helped. I don't know if it's female per se, but I think it, I see this as, you know, the fact that I stand out in a room, I think it's, it's good. And I try to do this. Like I, I, I want to make sure that, of course, I'm not uh, playing the female card. I am playing like the CEO card or like the, um, the person that knows what he, what mm-hmm. he or she is talking about. Uh, but I think that still there is an, at least for me, I still see that there is a difference of, you know, how you treat and how you see a female CEO as opposed to a male CEO, which is really, really common. Um, and I would love to, for more uh, women to get inspired and do this. And I think it's, at least for me, it was a lot in my head. Like, can I really do this? Why should I do this now? Like, you know, so many things are going on. Um, also having a baby is another thing that um, a lot of people say, okay, should I really do this? But you can, that's exactly the point. You can do it all. You just need to be very strategic about this. And I think it's important to share this um, because when I see other women in key positions, it inspires me and I want to make sure that hopefully I inspire others as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think I think your story is very inspiring, uh, and I, I just I agree with you. I think it, it there are many differences and many many comparisons where there shouldn't be. Uh, but it, I'm I'm glad to hear that it gives you a competitive advantage. I know that there are some trends of of you know the growing numbers of of females founding startups and generally founding companies, which makes me really happy to hear. But I also not know talking to other women who are in different positions that they often feel this imposter syndrome and you know questioning whether or not they can have it and exactly what you mentioned with you know being a mother with a small baby like should you do it could you do it and you're just asking a lot of questions that you know hopefully will will not be on the table or shouldn't be asked completely agree and also i want to add that i think that one of the things that really help is try to form you uh, a good support system with other it can be other female ceos or any other women in you know, powerful positions, or basically it doesn't only have to be, but it's really good to have a very, a trusted network of people that like, of course I have this on a daily basis. I'm like, why did I, like, what do I, what am I doing? You know, how do I do this? And so on. But like, 
okay, get you, like, get yourself together. Like you can talk with people. You have this network of support. You have people that you yeah. can ask. And I think being a CEO or being a founder, it's like always a very, very hard road to take, right? On a daily basis. But yeah. being able to, to consult with people and talk with them about this, I think it's super important and I see the value of it. And also like at Stanford, we have, uh, we have uh, groups of, of uh, women entrepreneurs and we talk together and we do all those things. And I think it's very important to have the support system. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you can find it uh, across many different levels of many communities, you know, virtual communities, remote work communities, uh, but also some, somewhere closer by. I'm sure that there are many wonderful communities that support each other as humans, workers, and then ultimately women. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's an interesting, interesting uh, summary and take, and thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, let's dive a little bit more uh, into what Gable is. So I, I gave this one line uh, description, but I would love for our listeners, because I heard this, the founding story and the whole idea, <laughs> but I would love our listeners to, to get the same story. So please do tell. Sure. So how, how did Gable came to mind, basically? So it all happened um, a few years ago. I, this is actually my second time relocated to the States. Um, I relocated the first time in order to, to form a team of engineers here. Uh, and I was a remote worker mm-hmm. and I was very lonely. It was more, like I didn't really know anybody here. I was the, fir- the only person uh, working here. And uh, my husband and I didn't know anybody, basically. I tried going to some meetups, uh, like engineering meetups, things like that. Um, but I saw that at least the people that, I, that were there was pretty much, were pretty much the same people. It was pretty much the same group. I, and what I ended up doing is just you know, going to those meetups, eating some pizza, uh, hearing the lecture and going home. Um, and San Francisco style, right? Yeah. So I ate a lot of pizza. That was great. Um, but other than that, um, it was less great, I think. And for me, I felt really, really lonely and isolated. Uh, long story short, we, we came back to Israel. And before I um, moved again to Stanford, I took a few months off to work remotely. And again, I found myself in my dining table working, not talking to anybody, just doing emails, calls, so on. <laughs> Probably now everybody can relate yeah. <laughs> after seven months in the um, But that was my situation. And I really liked working with people. So I invited um, two of my friends to come work with me. We had like in Tel Aviv, we had a big dining table and, and we sat there, started working. And long story short, we evolved this to a much larger amount of people rotating between places, like doing with Excels, matching and so on. So, so basically the idea came to mind that there is something here. There is the need of... You know the human interaction. Even if you are, if you don't have an office, if you not come to a space every day with your coworkers, just to be able to to sit next to interesting people, to increase your network and and, and make friends. So I think during this time, I multiplied the amount of people that I know. Um, and with that, I came to Stanford. Just you know, had this idea in the back of my mind that there is something here, and I think. Towards like in the beginning of 2020, 
the, the crazy year of 2020, I uh, started working on, on this, started researching more and more and saw that, you know, my experience as a remote worker, feeling lonely, isolated, but still wanting to be able to, to work in, in a nice environment, like those things that are, are not mm. just my experience, it's actually the number one unaddressed problem for remote workers, the loneliness and, and the feeling of isolation. Yeah. Well, this year did not make it any better. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say that. Like we, by now, we identified a few potential uh, you know, ways in which you can fight loneliness, none of which apply to 2020. So that's going to be... <laughs> Yes, a little <laughs> tricky, but yeah, hopefully things will, will change soon. Uh, and if I remember correctly, when we were doing the pre-call for this podcast, there was uh, a little pivot uh, from the initial product, I'm guessing, with everything that, that came. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, so think, like, imagine a scenario. We are starting to work on this incredible um, platform. We thought, okay, we are going to create, like, we basically are going to solve the loneliness problem. We are going to uh, provide, um, to match remote workers with other remote workers who share their interests. And we are going to leverage their, their homes in order to do so. And we started like this as a purely B2C play, basically. Uh, and then March uh, 2020. Uh, and we are like, okay, what are we going to do now? Uh, and we thought about many directions. Should we pivot here, there? Like, should we go virtual? Should we do like, co um, you know, virtual co-working and things like that? But um, during this entire time, we continued uh, talking with hundreds, basically hundreds of remote workers, CEOs, HR, you name it, we'll probably talk to them. Uh, and we saw in the increase, in it, especially when the months went by, that people still crave the human connection. Um, this is something that will not change. However, there was a mindset shift with many companies that understand that they don't really need an office. They uh, want the flexibility. They're able to, you know, to see that their employees are mm. super effective at home. They're able to hire globally, remotely, with a fraction of the cost, right? Um, so there is no real need for companies to have ownership of physical spaces. Mm -hmm. But uh, companies do want to provide the employees with a solution uh, to be able to go and work from a place that is close by, have all you know, the amenities that they need in order to have a productive day, and to be able to work with their colleagues or with a validated group of people, but not always. And with that, we saw that there is an opportunity here for Gable. So basically, to cater more for the companies, to provide them a flexible solution for their employees, to create pods, basically, for employees to be able to work together, or just have a space to, to be productive, as I mentioned. And, and this is where we um, started focusing on. Uh, so basically, providing this flexible solution for uh, companies where a company just pays a subscription for the employees to be able to have access to great, uh, to great spaces all across. Mm -hmm. Well, sounds like a, a lovely idea. And now it's, you, you, you uh, pivoted and incorporated, if I'm not mistaken, mid-October this year, right? So quite recently, it's been like a, a month, month and a half. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, with the numbers of, of, of cases just rising and, and hitting like, sky high records uh in the 
exactly at this time, right? Like how how was how did that affect your business? What what was your experience? Or what is your experience since it yeah. wasn't yeah, it wasn't that long ago? So basically, so you're very right. Like we started, we incorporated in uh, August, I think, and we um, uh, basically started like operating mm -hmm. the MVP mid-October and actually we saw we believe that actually what we provide is is the safest solution because think about it like teams still need to meet or or work together in, in either an ad hoc environment or, or someplace offices are not uh, a safe solution nor does uh, traditional co-working spaces because of first of all offices they're not everywhere you need to commute is again a risk uh, and not something that any remote worker actually wants to do right yeah uh, so there there is the commute effect the second thing is of course the fact that the the spaces are big uh and a, a high rotation of the people that are there uh, and not only that because uh, spaces can only operate 25 percent capacity even if companies will open up their offices not all employees can go there so there is no real solution uh but with gable the fact that we the spaces that we have are small um there are between four and 20 seats um they can be designated to a company basically to use solely by the company employees um we the fact that we don't own the real estate uh it helps us to scale much quicker so let's say we have a company that we are working with that they are in sunnyvale or in palo alto we can easily source location there in order to for them to have spaces where they need them you know in order to to be able to meet in a safe and secure environment uh, in addition we follow all guidelines or security health guidelines and we do believe that of course with with the cases rising and everything fluctuates it's still unstable uh, but we believe that by providing those um, spaces that are close by to the employees that don't require commute that are validated uh, pre-validated cleaned and only have company employees there uh, provide a, a much better solution than, tra than the traditional uh, traditional office or corporate space yeah absolutely and, and it's a cost-effective solution right since you get to dictate the, the the space and i'm guessing you know it just doesn't make sense for companies to go back to their huge offices if only 25 percent of people are working because you're spending 100 percent of energy for starters right like you cannot in big spaces you cannot just decide which lights you're going to turn on it's one switch for them all right and you're not flexible exactly. you're not flexible Let's say you hire, like how many companies hired so many employees during this time? Like it doesn't mean that the employees have to sit in the same location. Uh, why not provide them, provide them a solution even if they don't live near the company offices? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love the ADA. It makes uh, a lot of sense. Another thing that also happened, and I have a feeling that every single episode just ends up, uh, you know, being a sharing experience of this crazy year, but hey, we're, we're here. We need to talk about it. And I think creating the, the above mentioned support uh, system is just, uh, you know, benefiting that, I guess. But you also raised funding during the pandemic, right? Uh, so it's it sounds like this crazy tough thing to do, especially because, you know, virtual fundraising is not something that is commonly done, not even in San Francisco, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So can you share your experience? How was it? What happened there and how did you do it? So I think a lot. So first of all, it was, again, a 
and at least in my opinion, an amazing experience. I've never done this before. So it, it was a learning curve, uh, just how to do this, right? Um, by mm-hmm. you know, being a product manager and then doing like, you know, doing analysis, doing a, a business plan, doing all of this, it's, it's a completely different thing. A good thing that I, that I did a business degree, so I had a little, yes. bit, a little bit of background in that, but still, I think for me, it was a very good experience because a lot of VCs, but also angels, they understand that there is, you, you need to think not of what is happening now, but you need to think a year ahead, two years ahead, five years ahead. And with that, and by seeing the fact that there is a, a mindset shift. So like we, we will survive the pandemic. We will have different, like, of course, we hope that we'll, we'll have a vaccine. We'll have a lot of those things. But there is the, the biggest thing I think will be a mindset in how do we work and uh, with that, it was uh, selling a vision effectively and making sure that the investors understand what are we planning to do. And I think that was really important. And the fact that we raised is that, that some really, you know, related to that. Some didn't, and that's okay. But I- but you did something good. Yeah, that's- exactly. <laughs> you must have done something yeah. good, right? Because I- you raised it. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's the thing. I think it's that and also because of the team i think we myself and my co-founder uh, omri he's also um he's his background is engineering he was an engineering manager at microsoft as well managing big teams i think you bet at this point on the team right so i think that helped us a lot uh, having a strong uh, founding team as well and really believing in what we do um so we were uh, both remote workers at different points of our lives, but also we were managing remote workers. So we knew the pain, so we still know the pain mm-hmm. points from both ends. And I think that what, in my opinion, makes a very good founder, but also a company, the fact that you, you are your own customer in a sense, you know the pain points, you understand them, and, and it helps convince the, the VCs as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. Like we deal know what, you know, dog fooding means and being your own customer means. So it really helps a lot. It really helps a lot. If you're, if you're your own user, uh, you get to experience everything uh, on both ends. So that that's always a, a good thing to set up the business that way. If there is anything that, that you would share or, or give advice, a piece of advice, basically to early uh, startup founders who are currently struggling, even thinking about starting a business uh, in in such a tough time, uh, what what would you say? What would you share? I would say just do it. I would definitely say there is no bad outcome in trying because even if you fail, you learn so much in the process. Like I learn every day. I love what I do. I think it's incredible to work on something that you really believe in you work for yourself for your beliefs for your vision and i think that is the most important part i don't see any outcome uh, that would be would be considered a failure it will just be a learning to a next uh, adventure to a next thing so that that's that's my bottom line and that's what i learned the hard way mm-hmm. that i hesitated for many years but once you do it like you can't go back just you know it's not even being brave it's just 
saying what's the worst thing that can happen you'll learn on, on the way and that's the most important part exactly thank thanks for sharing that's a really good uh, piece of advice i would say a really bold one uh well we of course don't know what the the future of work is going to look like i mean now less than ever we are certain of of what is to come but in your so you have a lot of experience working for different companies and and you know different positions different layouts or structures what what do you think the future of work is going to be and i'm not saying or asking about you know 10 or, or even five years in advance but in the next few where do you see the work going So I definitely see that there is, is going to be a massive adoption. We already see this, right, of remote work yeah. for the long term. However, what would be the best constellation of this? It's yet to be determined. In my opinion, I think it would be remote first with some hybrid remote. Uh, basically, some companies will still have some offices, but they would like to have those flexible solutions. Um, and and you can see this even now mm-hmm. with Dropbox with their virtual announcement. I think a lot, a lot of companies are going to follow suit. And I think that that is a, a very good uh, model in my opinion to to be able to have a remote first culture, to be able to hire globally, to be able to have uh, you know diverse teams not in specific locations but worldwide. But still providing employees some spaces to go to network uh, with other uh, employees to have a change of scenery to increase their productivity uh, to connect them together so I really believe that this is the future in in the with the hundreds of employees that we've spoken with I don't think that we had one that said I want to come mm-hmm. back to the office full time they want to have this flexibility they want to work remotely they want to work from anywhere. And I think that will be probably, that in my opinion, uh, is the future, working from anywhere. Yeah, well, we, we'll see about that, but exciting things are, are, are yet to come. Uh, to close off the, the, the episode, I would just like to ask you, what, what are the things uh, at Gable uh, going to happen? Like, what are the things that are going to happen at Gable in the next period? I would say, if you can share, what can we expect? First of all, we, we are rapidly growing, we are hiring, uh, we have a development team in Israel, we are hiring here in the, state, in the States, but actually the, the, the job is remote, so uh, we practice what we preach. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, also planning to expand to different additional locations um, in the upcoming months, more than the Bay Area, and I think that would be like the, the, upcoming, the upcoming months. It's rapid expansion in, in specific locations. Uh, partnerships with more companies and to provide them those flexible uh, spaces and making sure to still be every day uh, customer obsessed and refine and iterate our product more and more uh, to make sure that we create you know something that is scalable in order to to expand even uh, further as well so I think that, that would be like our top of mind in the upcoming months. Sounds wonderful. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on, on the podcast. I enjoy talking to you and I wish you and your team the best of luck. I cannot see what's, uh, what amazing things you're going to do in the next period. Thank you so much. It was great. I really enjoyed it. That's a wrap for this episode of All Remote Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to wonderful Lisa as much as I did talking to her. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and share this one with a friend. Bye.